You're listening to episode 12 of the Happy Space Podcast. Today I'm exploring the challenges that leaders are facing today with thought partner and coach Lisa Mitchell. Welcome to the Happy Space Podcast, a place where highly sensitive people thrive. Not only will we learn how to better navigate life with our superpowers, we'll find ways to better manage the challenges too. We'll hear from product and service innovators, space designers, and leaders who believe in creating an inclusive, neurologically safe world. If you're highly sensitive or want to better understand and support someone who is, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Claire Kumar, and I'm so very happy you're here. Thanks so much for joining in for this episode of the Happy Space Podcast. It's a treat to talk to Lisa Mitchell. She is the thought partner, I love that term, and consultant over at Green Apple Consulting. And she is all about helping leaders deal with overwhelm. And she brings a vast experience as a corporate leader, as a strategic thinker, and you guessed it, as a highly sensitive person to all of her work. We dig into things such as, gosh, the challenges around boundary setting, how hard it is for individuals to actually hold to what they know is important. We look at the importance of connection and how what we've seen through the pandemic and continue to, to evolve and what we need to actually pay attention to as we hold the priority of connection really close. We also look at how we work, not just what we're doing, but how we're doing it and the intention that can be put to that that can really manifest in, in much richer results. But the real gem in this conversation comes towards the end where Lisa makes a connection between intent and impact. And I really invite you to hang around and wait for that part of the conversation. It's a, at the point I'm going to be taking away in the work that I do. And uh, I think it's a, it's a rich ad. So as always, it's wonderful to have you joining. Thank you for making the time to be here. It is so appreciated. We love knowing that uh, the podcast is resonating. So if you do happen to get a chance to share with us on social media what you think, whether there's a point that you're, you're taking away, something that resonates with you, or even better, a review over at, I'm going to ask here for a prefer preference for Apple Podcasts, just because I'm told that that's what really helps our podcast come up and be uh, known by more people. So if you have the time, uh, by all means, we uh, really, really appreciate that effort. I thank you again for spending time with us, and I invite you to enjoy this episode of the Happy Space Podcast. Today's episode of the Happy Space Podcast is sponsored by ClaireKumar.com. Not only am I excited to spearhead the Happy Space movement, I love coaching busy professionals to achieve greater productivity and well-being. The two go hand in hand. I also adore taking the stage. If you're looking for an interactive, engaging event to inspire and invite action, whether it be on successful work-life integration, sustainable performance, organization and productivity, or expanding inclusivity, please visit clairekumar.com and find out more. Oh, and if you haven't already joined the Happy Space Pod, it's our complimentary online community 
You'll find it right at clairekumar.com slash happy space. Oh, Lisa, I'm so thrilled to spend time with you again and to have your wisdom and gentle, ferociously, deliciously positive energy with our highly sensitive audience. I wanted to start by asking you about your own relationship to sensitivity. I know you took the quiz recently. Maybe we could start there and you could share just a little bit of light on how sensitivity shows up for you. Yeah, thank you, Claire. And it's so lovely to be here with you and spend a little bit of time this way. Um, so it's interesting because I think I went through most of my life uh, thinking thinking that I wasn't highly sensitive, to be honest. And um, it, it, it only uh, occurred to me really in the last, I'd say, seven years when I actually realized that I have anxiety. Um, and, and I've had it my whole life, but I, it sort of, you know, had a lot of coping mechanisms uh, in place to deal with it. And people often experience me as very, uh, very vivacious, very confident. And I'm no more confident than the next person. It just happens to be sort of personality and what I project, you know. I've always found that interesting because inside I've got just as much self-doubt and stuff that I'm working on as the next person. So, so with this idea of highly sensitive people, I really appreciate you kind of bringing that language into my world because um, when I did your quiz, I scored quite high in the sense that I am an HSP, uh, as, as you would say. For me, the way it shows up is, is the way I can read a room. I just have this, I don't know, this way, you know, like I, I, I facilitate for leadership development and I do keynotes and speaking and so on. And I, and I work with my own clients and I seem to be able to intuit like where somebody's at. I really pick up on energy and, um, and some of that has come from some difficulty early in life, right? Like, like not so good stuff where I had to learn and I was always kind of on edge trying to figure out what was the landscape, what was going on here. Right. So it was a bit of a protection. So as much as that was difficult, then it's turned into this beautiful gift that helps me in what I do. I love that. It reminds me of Brene Brown saying, as a child, she was highly vigilant. I'm like, oh, Play, oh yes. spot the HSP. In yeah, like, she had to be a little bit on alert for what was going on. And yeah, so that can layer on it. It can make it a little bit more difficult for HSPs as they're adults in becoming successful. Um, I don't want to uh, spend a lot of time here, but is there anything you would like to share about this journey through, you know, from some difficulties in childhood and then navigating now to to recognize sensitivity as a strength? Is there anything that helped that come to be? Um, well, it's really my coach training, to be honest with you. It was pretty, uh, pretty God-smackingly insightful i think she was even you know just the first week when i went through foundations and this is going back almost six years and and um you know he's now a friend of mine but uh one of the faculty members had had shared that he he uh had been able to reframe something very difficult from his past into a gift and it had been that his his dad had um a drinking problem and, mm -hmm. and could be quite the changeling so so he never quite knew what he was going to get mm -hmm. um, when he encountered his dad. So he was always very watchful and kind of on edge. Um, and now as a coach himself and as a facilitator and, and training coaches, um, that clearly comes into play. And I immediately relate it because I had a similar experience with 
with one of my parents as well. Um, you know, um, love them both dearly. And there was this dynamic where I wasn't always sure what I was going to get with one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that. I mean, there's the coach training too. I give it a lot of credit. I, I yeah. studied at Royal Roads and their motto is life changing. Yes. Tick. Yeah, absolutely. It certainly was. Yeah. 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 So now you work with leaders, you work with teams and you work, you know, to, to help them in their journey to grow and be more successful. How are you seeing sensitivity and how it's being valued in the workplace? Um, is it being valued? I mean, just as a side thought, I've in the past, in the pandemic, I'm two and a half year now, years now, I've been giving yeah. leadership workshops and talking about empathy and compassion as top things we're looking for in leaders. And we know that in highly sensitive people, we're hired wire, hardwired to be empathetic already. Yes. What are you noticing in your practice around sensitivity and its value in the workplace? Okay, so that, there's so much, so much to this, this particular topic. So I think, I think part of it depends on um, the organization, the team, the leader, in terms of how it's valued. I think if the leader themselves has had the experience of understanding the value of empathy, of bringing that into relationships with their team and within the organization that they are um, very clear on the value of highly sensitive people, of, of being empathetic, of being compassionate, and they'll demonstrate that. I think if they haven't had that experience themselves, it's easy to get sucked into um, the toxic work world. And I think a lot of, a lot of uh, corporate cultures right now are, are indeed toxic. Not that, that companies are are trying to be that. I mean, there's lots of great intentions out there, but when I see amongst my clients, both individuals that I work with in a group, just the expectations placed on them, the pace, um, the exhaustion, the overwhelm that people are operating in more and more frequently, constantly, mm -hmm. little hard to, to live into that, you know, the value of showing empathy and compassion. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? I think there's been a whole lot of lip service over the years to, you know, work-life integration demands and people saying, yeah. I need, I need, you know, I need some help here. I need things to be right-sized. I need to take, be able to take my foot off the gas. And I actually had one client uh, go with me on the suggestion of labeling one talk beyond lip service. And we were talking about, you know, effective work-life integration. So I think there's been an attempt and a recognition that the culture maybe is, no, people are, people are not at their best. And I'm not sure how many people, how many leaders look back and say, oh, we have a responsibility with the culture we're trying to shape. And we have a responsibility as leaders to role model what we're hoping other people to do. And it's a real conundrum as leaders, because I think we've got such highly motivated individuals, very driven, very ambitious who are often prioritizing work over other things. And we know the full workforce doesn't want to do that. So role modeling is tough. Um, right? And it starts with you. If you, can't if you can't exercise compassion towards yourself, mm. then you're, it's not even going to occur to you, you know, really beyond sort of surface or lip service, as you say, to, yeah. to demonstrate that really 
in a in a meaningful way towards your team and your peers. Yeah. So I I think we're a, a little bit he- so heavily influenced by that culture, the hustle culture that we're in, especially North America. In Europe, at least they have better vacation policies that, you know, four or five weeks vacation a year. In the U.S., you're lucky to get your two. Mm-hmm. And then still people aren't taking the whole thing. So it's we're, we're in a culture of more is better and faster is better and louder is better. That, you know, if you, everything, more spicy Doritos are, you know, what we market. <laughs> we're not after sort of dialing down and really tuning in. And I think because of the pace of culture, we don't get the tuning in. Therefore, we don't get this even self-awareness. So we can't from self-awareness then go to, oh my gosh, this is what I could invite for other people. We've sort of had the blinders on in a way and we're, even the leaders are truly responsive and overwhelmed and burning out um, oh. from a lot of the research that so the leaders are not it's immune huge. here. No, no. And this is, this is, you know, so, so, you know, in terms of who I typically work with, I mean, as a coach, I, I, I work with leaders from across industries and different functions and so on in terms of my group program. So, um, and, and one-on-one work that I do, I call myself a talent manager, the thought partner, because I really see, it's just because this is the world I came from. I was a, an executive in the area of HR and talent is, is I see these people operating in OD people, learning and development really being, um, an essential part of how we can help nurture empathy and create opportunities for it and help people understand the need to step back, to refuel, to be intentional, to take the break exactly at the point when they think they can't take a break. So yeah. I, I I see this, you know, working with and supporting talent leaders as being this multiplier effect. And the reason I bring it up is because, you know, this program that I offer that I, I told you about when we were talking previously offline, the Talent Trust is a six-month peer mentoring and coaching program that I, that I offer exclusively for these leaders. And, you know, I thought it would be a, an easier sell in some cases, but, you know, for people to just go, of course, I need this. But people don't often see themselves as needing space because what it does is it creates committed, safe space to think, to ideate, to create action plans, to be more strategic and get help with that. So it's the t- it's creating the space that they don't have in the crazy day-to-day. Mm-hmm. It, it's Brings so focus. interesting. So I was saying, oh, you know, people see this because I see it all the time. You see it when I talk to you. We always kind of connect around that. Oh my goodness. And yet helping people see themselves, you know, as having right. that particular need, it was, it was, a, it, it, it took more convincing. You know, once they were in, they were like, oh yeah, this is what I need. And look, look at the result. But anyways, I, that, that's yeah, what you so, made me think of when you were talking. Yeah. So let's imagine a leader is listening right now. They're highly yeah. sensitive or they've got highly sensitive people on their team. How do you, how have you been successful in having this need for self-awareness, for pausing, for, uh, I call it, you know, tuning in before leaning in? Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. Yes. Mm-hmm. How have you been successful to connect with that need and have it resonate? Oh, it's, it, it's one person at a time, even if I'm working with a group. Yeah. Right. So it's really helping people, um, decide to start noticing, right. Just, just in the course of a day of a week of a month, like where, where I was working with a client this morning, like, where are you feeling, um, in stress, in, Mm -hmm. in, in shame, in 
in, you know, this rushed kind of mode and, and whatever you're feeling, you know, in those negative certain emotions, what did, how does it show up in your body? Mm-hmm. Right. Cause that's such a key thing. Like what's in Bernie, back to Bernie, she talks about that, right? There, there's yeah. a symptom. Um, a physical symptom you can tune into and sort of, oh, there I go. I'm, I'm, wow, I'm in stress. Right, it's your first, it's your first clue. Yeah. And so what's beautiful about it as much as it's uncomfortable is it gives you that, the opportunity to notice it, not only notice it, but step back and pause and say, okay, there I am. All right. What do I want to do? Do I want to let go? Do I, do I want to to breathe a little bit so that I move out of this kind of reactionary mode um, so that I, you know, because you're not at your best when you're in those, in those emotions. So, so it's really helping people gradually over time learn to notice what are the things that trigger you. Um, and then from there, making new choices, experimenting. Yeah. And then from there, you know, people's confidence start to go up when they see some success with, oh, this yeah. is what works for me. And what works for me, Lisa, may not work for you, Claire. So it is a, an experimentation. Absolutely. That's coach training at play right there yeah. too, right? To stay yeah. curious, to stay curious. But yes. I, I jotted down two things I wanted to connect to um, based on what you just said. Number one is episode, I believe it's four. Uh, I talked to Sunil Godsey about intuition. And we talked about intuition showing up in the body, these somatic experiences that are really cues that oh something is going either with us for us or against us or puzzling us and an invitation to check out that episode if you're interested a little bit more in some different ways you can connect to yourself and be guided and then I thought wow you know what you're inviting in this opportunity to work uh, over a period of time and in depth with leaders is an invitation for connection with self which might mm-hmm. be being dismissed and it made me think of a question I've been asking my leaders in workshops now is we're, we're struggling with hybrid work, right? And oh, how do I yes. manage this, this mm-hmm. beast, which honestly has been around for a very long time. I worked, there was, you know. It's true. It's dispersed true. Dispersed oh workforces for years. Yeah. But if it's new to you and you're thinking you want to go back, there's some stress around it, depending on what's going on. And I've been asking leaders, how much time in your meetings and in your intentional scripted time is spent on connection, connection with others. And some people have a big donut, a big zero as the answer. And other people have said to me, oh, I weave it in everything. And uh, yeah, well, what do you say to that? It, well, it's intriguing because, you know, do you remember at the beginning of the pandemic and everybody was doing the virtual happy hours mm-hmm. and stuff? Like, you know, I, I, I remember leaders saying to me, yep, so every week on a Thursday, you know, we grab a cocktail or whatever your poison of choice is. I can picture this one leader in particular. And then we just chat about life and the pets yeah. and everything and just sort of hang loose. And that was great. And it seemed to give some energy and serve a purpose. We're all in, in it together and we can get yeah. through this and, and we're connecting more personally. And then it lost steam. And eventually people were just so exhausted from being on camera a lot, from being in yeah. back-to-back meetings virtually, um, that then they didn't want to do those anymore. And I saw some resentment sort of creeping around. I want to do those extra like connections things. Yeah. yeah. And so then I think we moved back away from that. Yeah. Because we were trying to get people space. And right from from so many, so many meetings yeah. and intent because you have to be intentional to connect when it's virtual. That's right. And and that can be wearisome. 
Um, so I think there's an opportunity now to figure out, well, what, what could can right. actually look like in a hybrid world? And, and I think the answer is to be really intentional and planful about how you use your in-person time and how you use your virtual time. Easier said than done. I think that's the key. And different for every team, just like every yes. person, you know. And, and evolving. It won't stay static. That's right. I, I talk a lot about dynamic capacity, right? Ah. Humans have, you, you, yes, on a great day and everybody's firing on all cylinders, you can expect X. How many people have perfect days? How many people have somebody in the family who's just come down with an illness or virus yeah. or COVID or whatever? Who's, whose pets just got sick? Who's internet connection just went sideways who just had a snowstorm or a tornado or there's so much of life that happens that's always affecting capacity and mm -hmm. i think one thing leadership does not do is plan for that we plan for 115 percent and say put it in your 100 yeah. bucket and right? then we're always surprised when things don't go that way right all the time yeah. it's so funny i think um you make a really good point. That's been something, you know, if I think about just me personally and how I see, you know, my, my 16 year old son, um, you know, things he's struggling with as he's, you know, in grade 11 and starting to think about university and everything is, is being accepting of the fact that you're not always at capacity. Like I shared with you, you know, before we actually hit record that I've, I've had a really busy couple of weeks and I've been feeling particularly tired in a physical way. Yeah. And I'm giving myself the grace and space, quite frankly to be okay with that. And I wouldn't have done that back in my corporate days. And I feel sorry and sad for myself when I think about that. Yeah. Right? I, oh, I feel you. I feel you. Oh, I look and, back at that woman yeah. and I think, oh my God. There was so much push. Yes. Push, so push, much push. push, right? And suck it up, push through uh, and all of that. And when you said my energy's low, I'm like, it's okay, we're going to dance together. At yeah. whatever pace, yeah. right? And so my highly sensitive listeners out there, um, you've got a gift in the number of mirror neurons you have, in the empathy that you have to meet and respond to these challenges, meet somebody where they are and say, hey, we're going together. It's fine. I don't have to trample you with my energy and I expect you to do, you know, have your pom-poms out and waving. I'm going to meet you where, we, where you are and together we'll bring delicious energy to what you need to do, right? Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. So we have to, as leaders, I think we have to think of our people as human animals with a dynamic capacity, with ever-increasing capability before we start committing and over-committing. And there's a, probably the elephant in the room at most meetings is workload, uh, as far as I see it. It's not even talked about. It's just an assumed that the workload's going to stay what it is. In fact, somebody is going to be quitting tomorrow. So you're actually going to have more on your plate than you thought. And if you want to take a vacation, you're going to have to pull three all-nighters to be able to take that vacation. We've just, we've got ourselves kind of wound into knots because of the workload piece on the table. Um, yeah. And I, and I think, I think that um, <laughs> there's a huge opportunity for boundaries. Um, and, you know, when I think about, you know, a common theme that's really been coming up lately, that's just that that word just went across my mind, sort of like an airplane pulling the, the message Ooh. behind boundaries is because it just feels like, you know, there's there's some folks I, I, I you know, again, looking at my son, I think about 
him and people of his generation coming into the workplace, people that are already there, they don't know some boundaries in the work, right? So they think, oh, okay, so my boss is saying, well, this is just the way it is. Suck it up, buttercup, and yeah, do those all nighters so, so that you can maybe take part of your vacation. That is actually not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you, they don't always have the modeling or somebody to say, that's not acceptable. You are yeah. a whole person. You are not a machine committed solely to work. Yeah. And the culture has something to do with it. I started my days in tech, high tech. And uh, we used to wear all-nighters like a badge, you know, an RFP oh, was due. The busy right? badge. It was like the busy badge. And you're like, how many did you? I pulled two all-nighters for this RFP, you know? Oh, like, Yeah. Right. And and so we yeah. talked about it that way. I left that firm and I ended up in another tech firm. And I remember remember working for my boss. I really liked her. She had had four children already, but was a single mom at the time. Wow. Met somebody, fell in love, baby number five on the way. And when baby when she had four kids, she asked me to work on a project, I remember. And I stayed up till two in the morning working on this thing. And of course, there was still the expectation that you were going to be in the office on time the next day. It wasn't, yeah, stay up later if you need to and recover, right? That's not discussed. So I was back in the office and it turns out she didn't need what was asked. And I said straight up, never do that again. If you know that it's not going to be needed, and it was evident in the conversation, oh, I found out what wasn't going to be needed. I'm like, y'all got to tell me because this is not cool. And it's interesting because I've, personally have found my voice quite young. I think my parents would attest to that. It was, you know, always challenging things. Why? Why does that? I was just challenging my bank. Why does the paperwork, you're giving me 48 hours to do the paperwork and I need to come in and sign it, but your advisors don't have time for me to sign the paperwork? This feels kind of broken. Something's not connecting to me. (laughs) Right. So it's like, this is pressured and awkward and it's not comfortable. And so, yeah, so I'm, I've been always a questioner. And um, just coming back to what leaders and boundaries here, it's a hot topic. There's a book of boundaries out now, a brand new book. I think Erica Emma's doing a talk at uh, the University of Rotman School of Business interviewing the author on the book of boundaries. It's, ah. it's a hot topic. And it came up actually in some team coaching that I'm doing. We were talking about boundaries. And, you know, is it the culture that's at play here? Or is it individuals? And what we uncovered through the discussion is, oh, I'm not, I'm not looking after myself. I'm not speaking up. Yeah. I'm further inviting the encroachment of theoretical boundaries that stay theoretical because nobody's sort of nobody's so, adhering to them. This is this is why, you know, team coaching, coaching, any opportunity we can give people to think about how they purposely want to work how not just what they want to do we place so much focus on that like what are the kpis what's the how how are we going to work together as a team how am i going to show up what works best for me and as a result best for my teammates in the organization so what's interesting is you know organizational culture is toxic in so many so many places not every but you know a lot a lot of organizations doing great work um it's it's very complex if there isn't space given or an expectation, boundaries are okay, yeah. right? Like that example of you staying up till two. Hey, boss, I stayed up till two because I'm so committed. Here's this. Yeah. I'm not going to be in till noon because I'm exhausted and I need to catch up on my sleep. Yeah. And just being okay with saying it. So if an environment is already going to be kind of taken aback, then there is a cultural shift and there's some something that needs to happen from the top down to start 
uh, uh, nurturing and allowing, giving permission for this kind of behavior. Yeah. But it does start with the individual because ultimately if the individual isn't willing to say, wait a second, you know, powerful phrase, that doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. Here's what would work better, you know, speak up then then I, I don't think the organization's getting the cues they need to start making some of those changes. So it's it's an ecosystem, right? We all have a part to play. It is. And it was wonderful um, recently in a group to say to the group, I gave them homework. I okay. said, okay, so what we've uncovered is that it's difficult for individuals to actually stake the boundary and hold to it. It's difficult just for ourselves to even get there. Absolutely. How can your team support you? If, you know, can we share that this is difficult? I mean, it's never discussed this stuff. I'm having trouble actually adhering to taking a break on the weekend. Well, what could your team do to help? And so the homework is to come with an ask for the team to support a boundary or a, something that you're working on as an individual. So an example of, of how talking about the how can really unearth golden opportunities to better the whole experience for everyone and have people feel like they're looking after each other. Yeah, that's a beautiful example. And, you know, it made me think of another one when I was working with a with a leader who, which it is, this is a common thing. She just really, you know, recognized early on that what they needed in order to, they, they felt like they were never getting to their big rocks and they were, you know, they were just so under the gun all the time and, and getting lost in the details and the weeds that they couldn't get to the really important, more strategic, long-term stuff, both for their own career, for the organization and their yeah. function. So anyways, they, they recognized early, I need to start taking booking time, big chunks of time to do this kind of thinking. Mm -hmm. And they were not honoring that time. And and mm -hmm. over and over, okay, what, you know, we'd go through, they'd, they'd book the time, they'd commit verbally to what they were going to do, didn't honor it. And and so, you know, when we talk about, well, what happened? What, what got in your way? My team, they just don't, you know, they're just constantly knocking on my door and popping in, got a minute, got a minute. Yeah. You know, I can't stop them from getting stuff done. So, so it's so funny because ultimately you're laughing because you know what, what needed to happen. What ended up happening was tell your team ahead of time. Hey guys, I am not ignoring you. I am spending this morning. I am here. If it's an emergency, please knock on the door. All right. I'm going to be turning off messenger. I'm going to have my email shut down. I am just thinking. And I really need this protected time so that I can share with you my vision as the next steps around whatever it is. You know, can, will you support me in that? You know, mm -hmm. and, and, mm -hmm. and making that an expectation, asking for help, that brings people closer. We're more likely yeah. to be successful. Yeah. And to hear people in the group express to each other, it's really, I'm working on this and it's really hard. And that yeah. I may need some help to even yeah. fold to my own desires, right? Oh, oh, wait a minute. For a leadership model. Yeah. Yeah. I know Julian was working on really having his weekends free. So how can we support Julian to do that? You know, I think, yeah, there's such power in inviting the team to support each other. And, yes. and that's how, you know, that's how we build a team, building that trust and building that group accountability. If you look at uh, Lencioni's uh, five dysfunctions five of a team, right? So, so we can, we can start instilling some of the behaviors, but if we don't talk about the how, we're always staying on task. None of this stuff gets nurtured and evolved into something, something good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's so true. And I think, it, I think leaders, you know, um, 
you know, often because of the pressures they're under, which are real, you know, they have their own stuff that they need to do as well as make sure everybody else is getting their things done. It's very complex. You're not just watching people work is, is, um, you know, there's a real, real need to, to model the way to be very explicit, to think about not just what we need to get done or even how, but, but who, who, All the questions. Who is involved the, here? Yes. All the questions. And, and by when need? specifically? Not yeah. ASAP. Not at a reasonable yeah. time. Yeah. No, there's no room for vagueness here. Clarity is your friend. Absolutely. I know one of the other things that uh, we spoke about earlier you wanted to talk about was, and it's so important for highly sensitive people, aligning intent with impact. Can you, can you share a little bit more about that? Yes, absolutely. So this is is fundamental to communication. It's actually a miracle that I think that anybody ever gets any message across that's received in the way they intend it, right? Because, you know, you, you think of it as if you think about coding, right? And, you know, in World War II, there's some great historical novels out right now about the coding. And and so, you know, if, if um, you know, the, the British wanted to send a message, right? Yeah. So secretly so they would take the message code it send it and then it had to be decoded at the other end in order to be understood you know and so it's we're all doing that because we're all encoding and decoding based on our own our own baggage our own experiences and language is such a tricky thing right like we Mm. you know what what balance means to me work-life balance could be totally different for you yeah so with intent aligning your intent with impact what it really means is often when c- communication goes awry and, and somebody has misunderstood us or we've, we've come across, we know we've landed with a thud in, in you know, if expectations we thought were clear, weren't clear because our team is not doing the thing or we've hurt feelings and we don't quite understand why all these kinds of disconnects. When you actually speak with the person who's experiencing that disconnect, their retention was honorable. Their intention was good. There, none of them, nobody has the intention unless they're a sociopath, which is very rare. Nobody gets up in the morning with the intention to go out and mess up someone's day mm-hmm. or to be mean or to create havoc. Mm-hmm. It's just not, it's not there. So when we can line up by voicing our intention along with our ask, mm-hmm. that goes a long way to the, to the receiver understanding like to the impact being lined up, right? So you so explicitly state that intent. States my intention mm-hmm. versus assuming mm-hmm. somebody yeah. will assume best intent. That's right. that's the issue. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it might sound like, um, you know, let's say I have to give you some difficult feedback. We've been working together and I've, you know, um, maybe something wasn't wasn't completed on time and it impacted my workload, you know? And, and made me rush. So I might say, you know, Claire, you know, I'd like to have a bit of a conversation and, and I'm, I, I'd like to offer you some feedback and I want to offer it in the spirit of helpfulness and, and to build trust, not, I don't want to damage trust, but I do feel like it's important to, to give this to you so that we can work well together um, going forward. And you might say, oh, okay. And you might feel like feedback is akin to, you know, we take feedback as though somebody's sneaking up on us in a dark alley, which is very unpleasant. 
So we do need to help people understand where it's coming from and what our intention is around. Mm-hmm. So you might say, even though you don't really want it, the feedback, oh, oh, okay, what happened? You might say, look, you know, I, I know it wasn't your intention. When you were late on this piece, you know, by it was only a day. It's not the end of the world. I just want you to understand that it did have an impact on me and it created stress on my end. You know, so I wanted to, to put that out there so that, you know, as we move forward that, you know, you'll, you'll keep that in mind. You know, how does, how does that sound? Anyways, this is my language. You know, it's going to sound different based on person, different people, but it's, it's kind of acknowledging that the other person didn't have the intention to do something that was difficult to create problems. And your intention is to be helpful and to help the relationship, not to damage it. Not to be judging. Yeah. Not to be judging. So the whole, the whole goal here is to, to step away from inviting defensiveness. Exactly. And, yeah. Prepare I, them to want to hear what you have to say. Prepare them to want to hear what you have to say. Or at least beautiful. accept it. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Especially as I'm thinking about the HS, HSP temperament and our emotional responsiveness. If we're pausing to think about what to say, this is good. This is a good ad. What's my intent? What's yeah. my intent? And then let's, let's back up a little bit, frame it as such, and then move forward into expressing. So the, the pause, HSPs need pauses on the regular. They do. And HSPs, you know, have this gift of, you know, they need that through pause. They're intuiting in the moments, very dynamic. Noticing what's in your head, like what's actually, it works for other, other people as well. Not just HSPs, but I always say, notice what's the fear that's sort of going, you know, somebody sort of catches you off guard or you have to have a conversation that feels, you know, critical um, to have, but you're scared of it is notice what's the fear popping, what's bubbling. And then you say it. So I need to approach you with something. And I've been up half the night worrying about it. I'm just going to be honest with you. And, and, you know, my fear is, is that, you know, what I say may land in, in a way that, that pushes you away. And my, I just want you to know, I can't control your reaction, but my intention is to pull you closer because I mm. value our relationship. Mm. Doesn't that change the way you're listening? Just just hearing yeah. that opens like something's coming, but it's not meant to hurt me. Oh, right. It, and it's not, it doesn't take away from the fact that it might a little bit, right? Because feedback, especially, you know, that constructive meaning build up, not take down, yeah. but it, it can be a little tough. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it definitely can be. And it, it can trigger that responsiveness. So it's a gift. It's a gift to give and it's a gift to receive this kind of intent along with impact. If we that's, that's a don't see it as a gift, though, if it doesn't yeah. feel like a gift, yeah, we miss the message entirely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so then there's a whole other conversation. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're coming to sort of the end of our time. And, and I wanted to close with a bit of a question to you about what you're seeing now in the economy. We've had Employees have had leverage before, uh, like never before. We've been able to ask for what we want. We've got recession looming, mm-hmm. but we also have still a very tight job market. What, what is your sense of what's at play here? And gosh, I, I'm thinking of employees in general. I mean, many employees are leaders. So what's at play here uh, for people to continue to ask for and value align with the organization they're working with and also construct that work-life integration. 
What are you sensing is going to uh, happen? You got any crystal ball projections? On what we're going to see? I don't. I think we're all really in a place of curiosity right now, is because it, it's just a very strange time mm-hmm. economically speaking in the world. You know, with this this tight job market and yet looming layoffs yeah. at the same time, it's quite confusing, right? So it depends on industry and the, the company yeah. itself and so on. Yeah. You know, I think. I think what it what it means is people need to remember they are not alone. And I think it's easy to feel alone and confused when there are all of these conflicting environmental uh, pressures and things going on and then our own kind of reactions to what's happening. I think it's important to take your own pulse, right? Give yourself a bit of space and grace to step back and sort of say, what's going on? What am I tolerating here that I'd like to let go of? And what do I need? to add into the mix like what am I really wanting and what's what could that look like and then from there talk to somebody right like it could be a trusted confidant confidant it could be your boss if you have that kind of relationship um I think people tend to I know I did this is the highly driven highly sensitive folks push through barrel through think they have to do it all by themselves especially when they're under pressure they go into that mode and that's that's actually destructive. I think it's helpful, you know, whether you're working with an individual coach, a team coach, yeah. friends, mentors, but have a way to get the swirl of confusion and thoughts out of your head, get the oxygen on those things so that you can sort the fact from the fiction. Can you, in a nutshell. That is a nutshell. It's a gorgeous nutshell and an invitation for people listening to think about the support that they need when yeah. when you get overwhelmed. I'm just looking at what kind of business coach I'm going to work with because yeah. I've been swirling ball of confusion <laughs> in my yeah. head. Which, what should I do? There's so many, so many options. And so, yeah, I'm going to be uh, working with a business coach. I haven't decided who, you, who just yet. I but, always uh, have a coach and I've got a great coach I really enjoy working with. And it's, I, I tell you, you know, like, I meet every two weeks with my coach. And sometimes I haven't gotten as far as I thought I would based on the last meeting. That's okay. Cause I will tell you, I prep for the next one and it, it's, it sort of lights the proverbial fire and gets me reflected mm-hmm. so that I can talk through. And it's, it's very, very powerful. Yeah. So for our listeners out there who might want to reach out and connect with you, what's the best place? Of course, this will all be in the show notes. So if you're driving right now or walking and don't have time to grab it, uh, it will be in the show notes. But Lisa, just tell us one place where, where people can find you. Absolutely. So I'm a, I'm a former teacher. So I used to receive apples from the kids sometimes. And that kind of thing. I just love apples because it's that symbol of learning. And green's my favorite color. So my company is called Green Apple Consulting and the website is the same, greenappleconsulting.ca because I'm based in Canada. And up there, people can sign up for my free monthly talent talks, uh, which are interactive peer forums around key topics of interest to HR and talent and employee experience professionals. And I also have a podcast as well, which you've been a guest on and that episode isn't out just yet, but it's called Talent Management Truth. So those are two ways that I support my community. And uh, yes, it would be a pleasure to host your listeners um, at one of my talks or even to have one of my my conversations with them that they can come to site as well. Awesome. Thanks so much, Lisa, for your take on what's going on in this world and uh, 
uh, some wonderful language and opportunities of, of things to do with the challenges that are before us. It's been an absolute treat speaking with you. Thank you. Me too. The time flew. Thank you so much, Claire, for having me on. Thank you so much for listening. You can find all of the Happy Space podcast episodes over at happyspacepod.com. That is also where you'll find a link to our online community. Please leave a review over at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in. And if you liked what you heard, please share. After all, doesn't everyone deserve a happy space? Happy space.